Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This week's edition of the opening kickoff podcast, we have an absolutely loaded pod for you. Two of our great friends are on this show this week. I'm your host, Dave Salmon, joined as always by my co-host, Peyton Gerard. Brandon Stevens is not here with us this week. Uh, Brandon, oh no, I'm sorry. He joined us for the Ian Cummings interview. I forgot yeah. that. We taped that at a different time. So he is a <laughs> He's missing this part of the show. He is uh, at the Celtics Wizards game right now. So yeah, I didn't understand his text, nor did I. I will say I didn't really try to understand it. Once I think I he's he was trying to tell you he he was getting his arm twisted like behind his back. Like I really don't want to miss, but yet I'm gonna miss anyway. Uh, okay, I was like, "You're doing what?" And I was like, "I was one of those things. I didn't even try to read it again. I was like, I'm good." So we have Bill Bender of Sporting News coming on. He has entered the five-timers club. We talk about that. We have to update, by the way, the bracket challenge. We'll get to that in a moment. And then Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network is going to stop by. If you don't know anything about football and you want to sound like the smartest guy in your fucking office, just, just say whatever he says. Yes. I can assure you Ian Cummings won't mind. Credit him if you can. But if not, he'll make you look smarter around the water cooler. He should sell that as a t-shirt. I just yes. said it. Trademark, it 25%. You get 75. And, Deal. And and send him TV show recommendations. Ian yeah. is struggling. He is struggling right now with things to watch outside of watching tape of the college kids. Everybody tweet at Ian Cummings. What is it? What is it? Ian Cummings. Oh, hold on. I think it is. Let me look it up while we do this but he, he needs it's i capital i c underscore draft send it to him on twitter send him tv send him, show send him a tv show and a question you have about football yes he will appreciate both the draft of the draft the draft not anything else he won't care he's in draft mode he is he is heavily in draft mode and you hear that we have a great conversation about yeah. the quarterbacks which i think that's the interesting thing and we're not spending a lot of time here because we have bill bender waiting very patiently for us and we have ian cummings as well but ian you'll learn a lot bill great was at the fairly dickinson upset over purdue that was a sick name drop like i was like i didn't you know it's weird it's like you never realize unless like it's in your area where those games are really happening you're like where's this game like it, it, it happens every time someone's watching. You're like, "Where is this?" Greensboro? Florida. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It wasn't. There were games in Greensboro. I missed them. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, Maryland, West Virginia, and Alabama, and I know Kennesaw State. 
Oh, that's right. Kennesaw State and Xavier was there. Yeah, they played because I saw a bunch of Xavier guys the next day at golf, and I was like, I just did one of these like, and like they were like, they just like didn't get it. They acted like they belong, they deserve to win that game, and I was like, where do you get off? But whatever. That that was bold because for a while there, that was like upset game. That's what I thought because it mean, was a, it was such a crazy Friday because you had all the nuts of that first week of, the, of Thursday with um, Furman beating Virginia. Then you had Princeton later. You had other close games. And then you have Friday sort of started off slow. And then you're watching Kennesaw State, and you're like, here we go. Here's the upset coming. And it never did show. But then we got the the best one of all with FDU beating Purdue. We're talking about that with Bill Bender and Paul. We are actually going to step aside. We're getting right to these interviews because these are great conversations. We can't wait to talk about. But. First, we got to talk about our friends at Manscaped. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger. From a beard trim to a fresh save, the technology behind the Beard Hedger allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to, ma- to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code KICKOFF20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tan your mane. No one likes a weird beard. I should know when you get to this point, your beard can look quite weird. I've used the Manscaped Beard Hedger, and it looks, it, I think it looks good, Peyton. I think it looks really tight. It looks real look good. Here. All I'm saying is, I've said it before, I say it again. If you hate Razor Baron, if you don't like all the this, all this shaving and all the hair all over your face everywhere, this thing will keep you maintained. It'll get you right. You'll be looking good. No one's going to be like, oh, what's going on with that guy's neck over there? It's not going to give you that redness like Dave was saying. Also, for me, I've said it on here before, bad nose hair guy. Like a big, big problem for me. Get compl- My wife complains about it. My mom yells at me every time she sees me. It's embarrassing. But thanks to Manscaped, that's no longer a problem. I've taken care of that. Manscaped keeps me right. They'll keep you right. Trust them. Protect your balls. And your nose. That's right. And your beard. Look at they, that. They that's got everything. And... And I will tell you before I finish to read about the beard hedger, the body buffer, $19.99 will be the best thing you ever purchase because that thing is way better than a loofah, way better than a loofah, less dry skin, helps really get the soap in, you smell good afterwards. And look, she's already going to like it if you trim down there, but now to smell good down there, that's what Manscaped provides for you. And with the new Beard Hedger, it comes with 20 cutting lengths, all in one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. So get 20% off and free shipping with code KICKOFF20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KICKOFF20. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Coming up next... And our Seat Geeks, best seats in the house this week are Ian Cummings in the Pro Football Network and Bill Bender up first from Sporting News recapping the craziness in March. Welcome back to the opening kickoff podcast. Dave Stomwell and Peyton Gerard. I am battling through sinuses and allergies. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful time of the year, so I sound awful, I think. But we got a guy that's going to make us sound a whole heck of a lot better coming up. That's our friend from the Sporting News. 
That would be Bill Bender, who is well into the five-timers club. We were just talking about that off the air. But, Bill, it is great to see you. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a very interesting March. Um, <laughs> I was at the first-round games in Columbus, and, you know, I saw Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue firsthand. And if you would have told me that was – the normal in this tournament at the time, I would have told you you were crazy, but what a interesting three week ride it's been. And I don't think we're quite done yet. No. Mm. And, and, and I want to ask you this out of the four teams remaining, San Diego state, Florida Atlantic, Miami, or Yukon before the tournament started, who would you have thought would have been more, most likely to be at the final four? Well, a couple of our experts at Sporting News, Mike DeCourcy, I you know follow him very closely. He had UConn in the Final Four, and wow. you know maybe it was the seeing them. I watched them one night. You know how you watch a random game and you let it influence you. I was watching them one night. I think it was in February, and I watched Xavier just pound them, and <laughs> it wasn't particularly close. And I think I formed some of my opinion on that because I thought Xavier should have been seated ahead of them. They were. I thought Xavier was going to be that team that maybe makes the run that UConn did. But you know what? The Huskies, they've been playing awesome. Jordan Hawkins looks really good. They've got the inside presence. One of the things with Dan Hurley, um, you know, I coached the Hurley drill with sixth graders. The fact that I'm coaching a drill that his dad used, then and you see it when you watch them play. They move the ball in spectacular fashion. So UConn would have been definitely the most likely of those four teams. I was going to say, Bill, when you mentioned you were there at, when watching Purdue go down, what was that like? Like, I don't know if you've ever been to like a March Madness before to see an upset. I've been myself, but nothing. I unfortunately didn't get to see anything too crazy except West Virginia go down in the first round. What was that like in that environment? Like, were you kind of obviously there probably on business, but part of it's like you're seeing something that only has happened one other time. Were you able to like take it in and really like appreciate uh, the madness of it? I guess you will. Oh, for sure. And I watched the game at home like that. When you think, so when you get to a certain point in the game, you're like, it's early, it's early, it's early. And I think it was around you know, like the 13 minute mark where it was just to me, I was like, this is no longer early. This is, I haven't seen Purdue be the better team tonight. And I mm -hmm. saw how much, Sean Moore and um, Dimitri Roberts gave Purdue problems. And then the other end of it, for all the criticism of the Boilermakers in that loss, I mean, you, they did have open looks. They, they mm -hmm. just didn't make shots. And so I don't pin that as much on Matt Painter as I do. You know, Zach Eady did what he was supposed to do. They just didn't make shots. And I guess, you know, I'm at an age, and I, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm sorry, I'm 43. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when Princeton – almost beating Georgetown was the upset. And now we're in an environment where Princeton wins and I'm just like, oh yeah. And FDU wins and I'm like, oh yeah. And now we have the weirdest final four in the world that you could possibly have. <laughs> and I don't feel that weird about it. So speaking of that final four, which is the best story of the teams that are still dancing? Um, I mean, they're all individually kind of cool. I think Miami... And Jim Laranega, I, I don't tire of him. I think just the way he's an easy coach to root for. They probably have the best starting five, which I think makes the UConn game intriguing. Uh, San Diego State, I, I mean, I followed the Fab Five in the 90s and for Brian Dutcher to get back. And uh, 
have a team that resembles Michigan in some ways, not the behind the back and the dunk and all that kind of stuff, but just the way they rebound their toughness. I FAU is the easiest answer um, because when you watch them play, the guard play is, is awesome. The, they got the post player. I was, again, I saw them in Columbus. I'm writing about FDU and here get done writing. And then the last 15 minutes of Memphis and FAU was just, a car i was telling buddy it was like it was like watching a carnival there was everything um yeah. including the buzzer beater so i think fau and how many games they've won and and just being able to and, and it shows guys right that they were definitely underseated mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna i, I was thinking about that and it, it's kind of like i think a lot of people buy into the number next to the team and they don't really look back and think about you know certain games where they played well but um Obviously, we have our final four set, the stages set. After, you know, looking at everything and going through all the teams, who do you think was the most disappointing team that didn't make it to this final four? Obviously, there's a lot of teams you could pick from. Um, it's hard to narrow it down almost, but what would your take be on that? I mean, for Purdue, it, Purdue would be the easiest answer, but I don't know that, like, I entertain that they were seriously a final four team. I mean, I mm-hmm. think I picked them to the final four, but no, I didn't. I had Duke beating them. So no, I mean, like, so to me, I think Alabama's probably my answer because they had the bracket. They got to the sweet 16. They looked good on the first weekend. They caught San Diego state. And I think the disappointment isn't just Alabama. You know, obviously we don't have to get into it. Everybody knows the story about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brandon Miller didn't play well in the tournament. And I don't know, I, I was just asked the question about them maybe 50 times during the season. And I just always stayed with, I can't tell you how 19 to 22 year olds are going to respond to that much scrutiny. And yeah. it, nothing that, and I'm just talking about the basketball end of it, not the, the court aspect or the fact that somebody lost their life and, and all of those things. I just, I don't know how much that, got into the locker room in terms of, you know, focus. And then you can't, because again, they're 19 to 22 year olds. It's easy for me to say that as a 43 year old. Mm -hmm. Would you say, because this is always such a topic, especially early rounds, we get all the upsets. Would you say that there's more parity coming to college basketball? I mean, we have no blue bloods in the final four. We have more mid majors. It feels like, and smaller conferences being able to compete at the big level. Do you think that that gap has started to close here in college basketball? I do kind of. Well, so like last year, all the blue bloods made the final four and we're like, Mm -hmm. is it going to be like this where it's Duke, North Carolina, the Lenovo, Kansas, and it was great. And then, you know, obviously the transfer portal is a factor. Obviously NIL is a factor when you're talking about Miami with, uh, you know, there were stories running this week about how they have 2 million in NIL money going through this team um it's quite a bit right and uh, good good investments by the way because you did get to the final four and you have this this starting lineup we talked about um as for parity i think to me it's just i kind of like the wide open part the aspect of it the unpredictability of it i think some of it is it's a combination of one and done nil transfer portal and teams not playing together. You're noticing that the teams that have had guys that have played together for two and three years, Miami's guys were in the elite eight last year. So I'm not surprised they took the next step. And I mean, it's fun. It's not the same as football though. As you guys know, I cover football and I'm like, 
you need a lot more four-star talent to change a football game than you do a basketball game. Yeah. So I'm glad <laughs> you said that. I'm sorry, Peyton. I won't ask. No, you you're. I was gonna. I was gonna let you go. I was just agreeing because I've said that. Like, you can do whatever you want. You can get. A, you can sign and get a bunch of two-star guys. Like, that's not moving the needle in the Big Ten and the SEC. Like, you need four-star, five-star guys. But no, I just agree with it. Go ahead, Dave. I, I wanted to ask you because we've had you on a ton as a as a football guy. What is it like going from covering college football to then going to college basketball and then doing March Madness? No, it's great. Well, I mean, you know, like when I was in high school, I played sports and I went from football season to basketball season. So it's kind of the same thing. I always, it's a, it's a funny thing to say that I, I always liked basketball more as a kid, like all through high school. So it's easy for, for me to make the transition. I, I love writing about basketball. I love writing at sporting news behind who I think is the best college basketball writer in the country and Mike DeCourcy. So I always make the analogy. It's like going from, at sporting news. And I'm saying this in just a sporting news sense, I'm kind of like the starting quarterback for college football. And then I get to be a backup quarterback in college basketball. And I love that role because there's freedom to write. Mike's a great asset. We have fun doing it. Um, it is hard when you have to duck in from January and then kind of get started. But um, no, I mean, it's, it's just like writing both sports are equally as fun. There are parts about college football. I obviously enjoy writing more and there's parts about college basketball, just, the freedom of going to those games and enjoying it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I always say like nineties basketball was probably my favorite era college and NBA for so many mm -hmm. reasons. Like you look at the college basketball in the nineties, I still talk about it probably endlessly at the time, but um, <laughs> man, that was a good era. Well, I was going to say, since you kind of like uh, you brought up football, I'll open that door. Dave hates when I go back to my roots of talking football. Cause it's my favorite thing with obviously, um, the playoff expanding. Do you think there's even a chance that we get some of this March Madness level upsets or anything like that with obviously letting more people in the dance can, you know, anybody can get upset any day if you're not ready. Do you think we'll get the same sort of treatment or it will take a while to start to see a 16 or, a, you know, a 10 beat somebody else? Well, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit here and I'll tell you what we did. Uh, Bill Churchy and I, my editor, we did our podcast today and I said, so if this would be the football version of this year's final four. And I'm going to do this and you can agree, disagree, whatever. So I said, FAU is probably the equivalent of a UTSA, a team that's kind of new has won a little bit, but if UTSA was in the final four, how would you respond to that? Um, or even Tulane this year, how Tulane came off. I said, UConn is kind of like Miami, Florida, mm -hmm. in terms of they've won that. They, they can win their fifth national title. We've seen Miami win five. Uh, not a complete comparison. So San Diego State's kind of like Boise State. Boise State like playoff, <laughs> not BS, BCS era. And I said Miami is like, get this, TCU, where they're good, but then they have an old coach that everybody's rooting for, and they finally made this run. So if the final four in college football was TCU, Boise State, Miami, and UTSA, I'm not so sure people would be as excited about it as they would pretend to be. Yeah. I don't think ESPN would be very happy. I, I like it. It's an easy joke to make, but they really would not be happy about that. But. No. And I don't, you know, one of the very real discussions right now, and we're basing this off some of our web traffic is um, the interest in the women's final four may be greater than 
the men's final four this weekend. And it's not, I think a couple reasons why I think one, you have South Carolina and what is South Carolina dominant team, dominant team with a very large personality at coach at Don Staley, who's been super successful. And what else do they have? They probably have the biggest star in college basketball, men's or women's right now in their final four in Caitlin Clark. So I think the combination of those two factors, um, and the draw you got in the, the college basketball, like who was a college basketball star this year that you had to watch? And I don't think it's not like Caitlin Clark, where I will sit down and watch her and watch her with my daughter who plays basketball. And we love watching her game. It's amazing. Yeah. I just, hmm. There's not, brain. there's it's, no name that like instantly there's like guys that you're like, eh, I, I can make an argument, but it's like, no one really, solidified and no, i agree with that that's very very so to, to bring it back let's get your picks for the final four yeah who do you what? like <laughs> i i would i would not after reading my you guys saw my bracket it was ugly um trust me you should so, see mine i lost <laughs> so i lie i like san diego state to win and i think they're gonna beat fau i think i am impressed with the way fau has been able to adjust their style they beat a very physical tennessee team it beat a very good Kansas State team with a point guard that was probably the star of the tournament was Marcus Marquise Newell. And yeah. um, so, but I like San Diego State's length. I like how they defend the three. Opposing teams are 17% from three in the tournament against San Diego State. If FAU doesn't knock down threes, I would hammer that if you were live betting. Um, and then I like UConn to win, but I think Miami is going to make that a classic. I think Miami's got a better starting five. Um, I wouldn't count them out winning that game straight up. So I think we're going to get UConn, San Diego State, just like we all had picked three weeks ago. And um, the Huskies, and I was making my bad joke, Dave, was uh, I didn't set my bracket to the UConn wins at all setting that you have to every like five or six years or so. <laughs> That's right, because it's, it's pretty close to uh, on par for them. So we, we know FDU beating Purdue. What was – your favorite game of the tournament that you've watched? Cause I feel like there's a lot of really good games this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, so I was at those games, but like sitting on the couch and then just enjoying it. Um, either Michigan state, Kansas state, which was high level basketball, high level point guard play um, fun game to watch. I would probably say UCLA Gonzaga just because it's the third time they've played. I like the like regional rivalry aspect of it because you're dealing with the all-time program versus the program that had uh won for the last 20 years and still trying to get that natty uh you saw the adam morrison commercial during the tournament so many times but the three times they've played in the tournament none of those games have failed to live up to expectations and i i really enjoyed that game and the way it ended and and the shot that strother made to give gonzaga the win um, Drew Timmy was amazing. Jaime Jaquez was amazing. That was probably my favorite game of the tournament. I, I think I'm going to go Arkansas-Kansas was a, was a sneaky, really good game. I mean, it wasn't yeah. great for like the first half, but man, that second half, it was like back and forth action. Bill, I, I have to get you out of here on this. You're a Packer fan. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't talked about the guy in a while, so I figured right. if, if we're going to bring him up, we bring it up with the Packer fan. I'm sorry. How do you feel about the Aaron Rodgers situation? You know, um, at peace with it, I would say, because I think 
I'm ready for the Jordan Love era to start. And it's not like Packers fans don't have the cookbook for this. We did this with Brett Favre, which was Mm -hmm. far more emotional for me, I think, at the time. And this was before, you know, say what you want about Brett Favre now. But at the time, you you get what I'm saying. Like, that was the Packer, the legend. And, um, yeah, that was tough. But, I mean – I think for Green Bay, they're ready to move on. And a lot of Packers fans are ready. I can't speak for all of them. Of course, I can speak for myself when I say kind of ready to see what Jordan Love can do. Always going to be appreciative of the Aaron Rodgers era. I mean, he's arguably one of the greatest talents to throw the football. Wish the Packers could have done a little bit more to maybe push past that. But if we were talking in college, and I've run this by people and they don't really buy it, I don't think you guys are going to buy it. But if we were talking in college basketball terms about the Packers, be like, well, we went to, you know, five Final Fours with Rodgers. We just didn't win the NFC Championship. You know what I mean? So, like, I think yeah. if you just called NFL championship appearances Final Fours, but that's not how the NFL works. You got to win the bowl. It's hard to win yeah. the Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to win it in New York. I don't want to see him in Lambeau Field like I did with Brett Favre. And um, but we'll see. But I am cautiously optimistic for Jordan Love. I know he's not going to be Favre or Rodgers, but that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, uh before I let you go, it's kind of like, he's kind of edged you to this point, like the last three years, every offseason. So it right. feels like, it's got to feel like, almost like a sense of relief, like, all right, we got to let you go, man. Like, we can't keep doing this. Right. Well, I said, so most people point to the Jordan Love pick as that breaking point, but I really think it started when, they lost to the 49ers in the NFC championship game, not the game in the snow, the one that they went out to San Francisco and got pounded. And it was like 37 to 21. And I think that's when the frustration of, okay, they haven't given Aaron Rodgers enough help. Then they draft Jordan love. Then when we have the COVID year, which I'm going to be admittedly honest, that was kind of blurry. Um, Tampa Bay, they lose San Francisco, they lose. And it just, like you said, that's a great, great look at it that that just kind of mounted up and added up to this where it's like all right i think both sides need to move on and yeah. if that that organization moves on aaron Rodgers moves on i hope both do well but I'll always be a packers fan no matter what so we'll see how it goes yeah all right bill well we thank you for taking some time get some rest because it's final four weekend and a national championship to follow and we will get you your quarter zip for the five timers <laughs> club and we'll talk to you again soon Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Take care. You are welcome. Ian yeah, Cummings thank you, Bill. Football Network, up next. Welcome back to the opening kickoff podcast. Dave Stomlittle, Brandon Stevens, Peyton Gerard. Joining us now is our good friend from Pro Football Network. He has been studying the tape. He has been watching all the pro days. He is all in, and he doesn't have to sing because he didn't finish last in the bracket challenge for the opening kickoff podcast, that would be our friend Ian Cummings, who, by the way, next time he is on the pod, he hits the five-timers club. It'll be his fifth appearance on this podcast. Mm, Ian, how you doing? I'm doing even better now that I know I'm going to be on the five-timers club, man. That was my goal. That was my goal <laughs> to get five. You know, hey, I wasn't sure I was going to make it, but we got there. So, no, no, always happy to come on and talk draft with you guys and always happy to chop it up. And, hey, we're a month out. We're getting there. We are on the home stretch, and it's been a lot of work. It's been fun, um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how it all plays out in April. I do I do have bad news for you. We don't have a smoking jacket for you. Oh. Uh, we have a quarter zip with the opening right. kickoff logo. I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it, I guess. It's passable. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. 
That is that is very fair. By the way, we just found out all fair that you have a twin. Like that, I, to me, mind blowing. I just we might spend ten minutes talking about the fact you have a twin. So no, 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 no. I'm not going to waste my time. I got some questions. <laughs> I need to know some questions. I got some things that I need to know. I need to all clarify. Right. Go ahead, Peyton. Take it away. So, like, let me ask you this. This build-up is getting me. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, I'm a Steelers fan, as you know. Hmm. I would like Jordan Addison because it seems like a logical pick for, you know, keeping Kenny him together. Go the old Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase method. They needed more when they drafted Chase, but they went that route and it worked out. What do you think about that? Or do you think that the Steelers will be boring like they usually are and pick something like a linebacker or another safety that they need to replace? Addison is tough because to me, his draft range is a little past them in terms of the value maximization. I think they pick at 17. That would be a little rich yeah. for me for Addison. I, I I like him a lot. You know, I comped him to Darnell Mooney. He didn't test quite as well, but I think, you know, you're looking at a guy who's I think he's more dynamic on tape than what he tested with. And I think the big hangout for him is going to be, you know, six foot in the 170s range, right? That's not the mass that you'd want for a guy who drafted in round one. You'd want elite athleticism. You know, I think he's very good. You know, it's just a little rich for me, especially when you have that pick right outside of round one. You know, that's a pick where, you know, if a guy like Zay Flowers or Josh Downs drops, you know, that's a guy that I would consider there too. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, for me, there is the added benefit of the the chemistry that he has with Kenny Pickett, which is, you know, honestly, it's it's a legit, you know, it has some merit, you know, to consider. You know, they, they had a ton of chemistry that last year they played a pit, you know, they know each other and it'll make the transition a little more seamless. So you take that into consideration. Maybe they trade back from 17 and get him in the 20 to 30 range. You know, we don't know how the teams are going to stack up this wide receiver class, too. That's another element in it because, you know, every ranking you see is different with the top five guys. So we have we really have no idea who's going to come off the board first, who the, who the first two are going to be. So, you know, a lot, a lot of factors to take into, into consideration for me. It's a little rich at 17. I'd rather take another position, maybe offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and then yeah. go to a wide receiver at 30 at 32. I think. Yeah, that's right. Cause the Dolphins forfeited their pick. But um, we'll see. You know, I, I would want to go with a receiver early for Addison. It's just, you know, is he worth the 17 pick? And if he's not, you know, maybe the value is better later on. So let me Fair ask, enough. let me ask you this about the wide receiver class. Yeah. How would you rank them and how many do you think should go in the first round? Yeah, so my rankings are a little are a little, you know, against the grain. I've got Quentin Johnson as my wide receiver one. Now, I do want to preface by saying this, you know, there's a ton of viable, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Variations out there, right? There's a ton of, you know, any ranking that you have, you know, if you can legitimize it with your, you know, thought process and your reasoning, then it's 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 valid, right? Like th- there's so many different ways to order it. For me, you know, I I love guys who can separate athletic guys and you've got that in this class. But at the same time, if you have the size on top of that and you can show route running upside and you have that the athleticism, you know, the three level ability, that's going to give you a bonus for me. So Quentin Johnson, he's polarizing and I can understand for NFL teams, they may be a little more you know, hesitant to anoint him because there is increased risk with his play style and his size, right? You know, being as twitchy and, and high energy as he is, you know, you do worry about, you know, after the catch, he's a little bit leaner, maybe some injury risk there, right? But 
He's my wide receiver one. I'm a big fan of the athleticism that he does have for his frame around 6'4", over 200, 34-inch arms. I mean, the dude is, you know, he's just, he's different. He really is. I mean, the lateral athleticism and twitch that he shows on tape, the flexibility as an athlete, it's really uncanny for a guy his size. And it really shows up. You know, people talk about his catching technique, you know, not always being able to hand catch. Sometimes he lets the ball get into his frame. He's got to improve that. He's got to refine, expand his route tree a little bit. But I do think on his comeback routes, his releases, he's just so proficient at those for his size. I think you're you're looking at a guy who, when he gets inserted into an NFL offense, we're going to see a lot more of that from him. So I'm a big fan of his talent. Wide receiver two for me is Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. That's the mm-hmm. one that people are going to look at and be like, huh, I didn't expect okay. that. But I'm a big fan of what he has to offer. I think um, the late breakout and the ankle injury are going to be questions for him. But 6'3", 213, I think he had a 37-inch vertical. Uh, he had a 4.54 40-yard dash. So not elite long speed, but you're looking at a guy who's explosive, very streamlined, really great foot speed on tape. And some of his route running, man, I mean, this is a 6'3", 213 guy. He's super physical. He's very, very good at converting at the catch point. But his routes, I mean, he presses upfield on his stems. He's very good at utilizing space and manipulating defensive backs. And he can cut his stems very well. He's got great stopping ability, great hip sync. He reminds me a little bit of Michael Pittman Jr. You know, I think Mm. his brand of mobility for his size and then just the ability to consistently convert. You know, I think that's what you're getting with him. He can be a really good X receiver. So I'm a big fan of Tillman. I think he's got the athleticism, the size, route running ability to really be that X guy. My wide receiver three, Josh Downs out of North Carolina. Uh, and it's really close between him and Zay Flowers for number five and then Jordan Addison or yeah, number four and then Jordan Addison for number five. Actually, Jackson Smith and Jigba is up there, too. You know, that's kind of the top. I was going to ask that. That was that's a name. Yeah. I feel like we're missing there. Smith and Jigba for me, you know, I, I'm a big fan of what he has to offer. Right. I think the explosive gear is what you're lacking with him. And that's weighed heavily on my scale. And that's why he's a little bit lower. But I really like his style of play. I think he's going to be very reliable right out of the gate. And that's why if you have him as wide receiver one, I won't scoff at that because, hey, that that means something. If you can come in right away and be in a thousand yard receiver and be that chain mover time and time again, that means a lot. You know, it's just the upside for guys like Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, more explosive I love the high energy play style that Zay Flowers uh, plays with. He reminds me a little bit of Santana Moss. I mean, his foot speed, he's just got constant energy in and out of his breaks. Um, And he's so good at maintaining speed while making cuts, right? I mean, to do that, that that really helps you manipulate space. And then Josh Downs um, reminds me of Doug Baldwin a little bit. I mean, he's super twitchy, high energy, but also very efficient as a route runner, very efficient, manipulative. And then for a receiver, his size, very good at extending beyond his frame and converting at the catch point and, you know, laying out, attacking the football. So I love that part of his game, but it's a fun class up top, man. And then there's guys even beyond that top six, like Jonathan Mingo of Ole Miss is a guy that I'm a big fan of. Jaden Reed from Michigan State, uh, Rasheed Rice out of SMU. Uh, you could go down the list, man. It's I People say it's not a strong class, which I do think it's a little more uncertain than usual, but there are a lot of quality receiver prospects that if they go to the right spot, they could do a lot. I was going to ask, me and Dave usually have a bet around this category of people. <laughs> and in my experience, once one person decides to take a wide receiver, it's like a snowball effect, and everyone just starts going for it because they get scared they won't be able to like you kind of said with the Steelers of trading back or going back. We saw it last year where I won my bet, Dave. Drake London, thank you. Shout out. Went ninth overall. And then everyone started to fall after that. Our bet is, Ian, is uh, will there a wide receiver be taken in the top 10? Where do you think, without revealing too much of your board yet, Yeah. 
Um, because I know you probably haven't mastered it or had the final copy yet, but I bet you've tweaked it a lot. Where do you see the first wide receiver going? I don't need to know who, just what position, what what spot in the draft? That's a tough question to ask a draft analyst because you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to sit on the fence and say, I don't know. No one knows. Like, hey, but, you know, <laughs> if just gonna you were a bet man, if the, you the were diplomatic me. answer, right? But all right. I, I mean, I'll, first off, I'll preface with this. My my big board is different than, you know, the NFL teams and where guys are going to go, right? You know, and part of that is just the different occupation, right? Like I'm an NFL draft analyst. I do this on my computer, right? Like I don't, I don't have a multi-million dollar organization, you know, success dependent on it. Right. So they be, they may be a little more risk averse, which is why some of these guys will fall a little bit farther than they would if it was me. Right. Because I'm an NFL draft analyst. I can see the upside and bank on the upside with a little less reservation than they would. Right. They take more into account. Um, I, I don't think a receiver is going to go top 10 personally. I think, you're looking at four quarterbacks, right? Um, you're looking at Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, potentially. There's talk that maybe he falls a little bit, but I think he's talented enough where if he falls to a certain point, a team's either going to trade up for him or just take him on the spot because the value's too good. Um, I think that Christian Gonzalez could go top 10. Uh, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of these guys at very at premier positions too, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, maybe a guy like Broderick Jones, right? So I think there's enough talent at premier positions that it could push receiver down, especially when there's a lacking a bona fide wide receiver one in this class. I look at the Houston Texans at 12th overall as uh, that's kind of my first landmark for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think especially in this class, you're Houston, you really need more uh, firepower at that position, especially if you're taking a quarterback and number two overall, to me, that's really the first spot where I'm looking at saying, this is maybe where the guy comes off the board. And even then it's not, a, it's not a guarantee, right? So I think, you know, last year we had Garrett Wilson, we had Drake London, right? It was a stronger class up top last year. You know, the talent is there this year, but there's less guaranteed. And I think in the NFL draft, which is such a, you know, a process of weighing risks and making decisions off of that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be reflected, I think, in, in wide receivers slipping a bit. I was gonna say, Dave, by the way, was probably one of the most devastated things I've ever seen watching a guy reach all of his dreams to make millions of dollars, and he was just rooting on his downfall. And I was, and also Atlanta has just cursed Dave for years with his old Matt Ryan take. So it always, it always comes back around. He was a Matt Ryan super fan. Yeah. If you ever want to, if you ever need a, Hey, scouting report on Matt Ryan, this guy has a four like on hand all the time. So if you're interested, we're not selling it. Yeah. Matt Ryan's MVP season was like the most like inspiring thing Dave has ever seen. What is on the well, the second Joe Flacco is probably number one there. So ah, true, true, true. I digress. I digress. <laughs> Future Raven. Rap. Future Raven, Joe Flacco. That's right. right. Bring him back. <laughs> Getting the band back together. I want to yeah. ask I want to ask about the quarterback class, Ian, because Carolina trading up to one has I think drastically changed the landscape of the quarterbacks. Give me your impression. I mean, we talked about it the last time we had you on, but how has your opinions changed on the quarterbacks since we talked to you last? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's changed drastically, right? I think we had most of the information we needed to work on, you know, at that point. But I think, you know, you're always reevaluating how you're grading these guys. I think if you get locked in too early, you know, it can preclude you from making adjustments that you need to make, right? So I think I always try to stay flexible, you know, and open-minded. 
I have settled into, you know, I know I've got three guys at the top. You know, I know I've got, you know, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. They're all in that QB1 conversation for me. Will Levis is a little bit behind them, you know, and that's not a slight on Levis. I think he's very much worthy of a top 10 pick. I think that he has franchise QB upside, just not quite as, you know, not quite as sure as Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And then Anthony Richardson, you know, if you make the upside argument for Levis, there's an even better one for Richardson, you know, in arm talent and athleticism, right? So that kind of puts him above that too. So, but that that's still the top four group. That's still the top four. And then I think there's a top three separated within that. You know, I go between, honestly, man, my QB one race is super close. I think the Panthers, if they picked Richardson, Stroud, or, or Young, you can make it right with any one of those guys. I, I'm not going to be super averse to any one of those. For me personally, you know, I, I lean, if you if you really had to make me make a tough decision, which you guys know how tough that is for me, you know, to get off the fence and actually make a decision, right? But I, I would say, you know, Richardson and Stroud, to me are a little bit higher on my board and that's really just because of the size with young and it's not even a big difference maker it's just you know if everything else is equal right maybe that's a separator for teams that may be the case too you know right projected durability but also with young i i think his arm is the weakest of the group i think he's still got enough arm strength right but richardson has a rocket right and i think cj stroud's arm is pretty underrated when you talk about you know, how much, how easily he can generate velocity and keep that pace on touch passes too. I mean, that shows up on his tape, Hit, hitting those tight windows, you know, it takes the proper trajectory timing, right. But you also need to get some velocity on it and young can get that right. But I think Stroud has it a little bit more than he does too. Um, but looking at Stroud and Richardson at the very top, Richardson is just, you know, he's crazy. You've never seen a talent like him at QB, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, he ran a 4-4 at six, <laughs> at six foot four, 240, right? I mean, the dude is just an insane athlete, and that shows up on tape. I mean, it's not just linear speed, but, you know, I always try to look at the stride frequencies, right? You hear foot speed a lot from me. You know, it seems like kind of a vague term, but, you know, how fast you can, you know, move your feet, right? How fast you can accelerate and, and kind of change directions, right? Just that overall play pace. You've never seen a QB at Richardson's size with the play pace that he does. I mean, it's 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 uncanny. In the pocket, he's very good at evading rushers. He's got phenomenal play strength. He can break tackles. Uh, he's got a rocket arm, right? He can generate velocity with the flick of a wrist and push it downfield into tight windows. Um, and he flashed pretty good operational components. He's still very much growing in that sense. But in the pocket, you know, he can maintain discipline he can keep his eyes up he's shown that he can navigate the pocket sidestep rushers and keep his eyes up and, and, and not let that phase him and anticipation you know over the middle of the field there's flashes of that too so i think richardson is more young than you know underdeveloped right you know he's young he hasn't had the opportunity to develop to his maximum but he's well on his way and he's shown the proper the proper flashes of promise to me, for me to say i'm investing in this potential you know cj stroud though he's got more than enough talent i think that georgia game in particular was a very good landmark for him you know you saw him make plays off script and use his athleticism that was something that people didn't always give him credit for but he has the athleticism to, to work off script if you want him to uh, he's got good arm talent but for me with stroud it's just in the pocket he's so accurate he's so good at using his eyes and processing quickly i mean that's just a very strong point of his tape and one that you know it's pretty reliable if you're banking on it right i think the, the main question with stroud is that you know under pressure can he do what he did against georgia consistently you know we didn't see it consistently throughout his career if he can do that routinely then that changes everything because he's got that ability it's just it's more of a comfort it's more of a pressure detection thing for him but if he can do that, then, you know, there's really nothing stopping him from becoming a Joe Burrow caliber passer in the league at his maximum. So, you know, I'm a big fan of both those guys, all those guys. 
Um, that's kind of my view on quarterback class. Any one of those top three at number one overall will be a fine choice. Even Will Levis, if you if you can make it work, he's got the upside, right? It's just a little less of a guarantee with him. But all four of those guys, um, well worth the top ten pick, and we'll see where they go. But it's going to be fun. If you're a team that misses out on the top four quarterbacks, is there one that you see in that second tier that has potential to be a Brock Purdy type that maybe is a later round pick that turns into a court starter? Yeah, you know, maybe in this class, I, I see a pretty decent gap between the top four and the next few guys right i think um you know that's what separates them right that's why they're so coveted at the in the top 10 because there is scarcity there right you know these are the guys that that can become franchise qbs i do think you know there's a few names that come to mind hendon hooker is obviously the first one from tennessee um i think the transition from the tennessee offense is going to be a little steep for him right you know people bring that up but it was a fairly rudimentary offense. You look at, you know, a lot of quick reads, you know, not a ton of traditional dropbacks, a lot of, you know, just read the release and, you know, Jalen Hyatt and Tillman are stacked, you know, giving them space already from that press coverage. You know, it was very, um, I'm trying to think of the word, it was very, um, I'm blanking on it right now, but it was manufactured, right? You know, a lot of manufactured things for him, right? So not a lot of things where he's like reading from high to low, over the middle of the field, you know, going through progressions, you know, and he, I think he flashed the ability to, you know, uh, react and diagnose, right? But I think it's going to be a big adjustment for him going to the NFL with NFL style reads. He did improve his accuracy, which you wanted to see that still can be a little, a little iffy there sometimes, um, you know, the mechanics, the release is a little winding, but he did improve that in 2022. Like to see that he's athletic, you know, he's got a good arm. He's got enough talent, you know, Hendon Hooker. Uh, I think it's just the adjustment from the offense that will, you know, kind of impact him at 25 years old coming off a torn ACL, you know, you know, if he does go, it'll probably be around three you know maybe someone takes him late round two you know with quarterbacks you never know because the positional value is so high but um you know there is going to be a little bit of a runway for him because of that tanner mckee from stanford is another one you know i think he's got a really strong arm that's the key determining factor with him he's flashed good anticipation good processing ability it's just again the mechanics the accuracy that can be really spotty with him he's not as good of an athlete as hooker right so you don't have that you know people talk about athleticism as a as a ceiling trait but it's also a floor trait because early on in the nfl if you're encountering pressure right you need athleticism to break free extend plays and, and create more opportunities for yourself a guy who doesn't have mobility can't always do that that's one thing that made brock purdy so so proficient in san francisco obviously kyle shanahan elevated his play a lot right but it, yeah. it helps that purdy has the mobility to work off script and create when he needs to right so that kind of stood out so in that vein, another guy that stands out to me is Jake Hayner from Fresno State. I'm a big fan of him on day three. You know, I don't think you're picking him before day three, but on day three, if you need a guy like a Brock Purdy type, I think Jake Hayner can be your guy. You know, he's actually pretty athletic. He's He's got good mobility. Um, He's got good arm talent, too. You know, not the strongest arm, but strong enough, really elastic. I think he can layer passes very well. And he's a gamer. I mean, this guy fights through injuries. I mean, you saw, I can't remember who it was against. It might have been UCLA a couple of years ago where he, you know, it was going in the fourth quarter and he led his team to the win, you know, back and forth. And, you know, I he was taking say that 
was two years ago. Yeah, it was. I and think it was, was like it was, an insane comeback. Like they, they had no business winning the game. Yeah, exactly. And it was Jay Kaner. It was Jay Kaner who did it. He, he really got it through that. I mean, that toughness, that resolve is what you see from him. And, you know, he's got good field vision. He's got good anticipation. I think he has everything that I would want in a backup spot starter. You know, again, you know, he's a little lean, uh, not elite arm talent, but he's mobile enough. You know, a, a lot of what you see in Purdy, you know, he's mobile enough. He's got enough arm talent, right? You know, he's got enough, enough, enough where you can work with it and you put him in the right system. You know, he can do good things for you, right? So I look at Hayner. Um, he's another one for me. I think that's the guy on day three that I would circle for that. Aside from that, the quarterback class kind of thins out, but there's a few more names to look at. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson is athletic, experienced. You can look at him. Uh, Tyson Bajant from Shepard uh, showed out at the Senior Bowl, had a pretty nice week there. He's got a pretty good arm for a D3 guy. You know, he's uh, he's he's got enough talent, and I think um, there's a few more, but that's kind of where the list goes for me. That's where it starts is those few guys. Brandon, hop in here. You've been awfully quiet. Yeah, no, nah, man, I've just been been taking it all in. You know, a guy like uh, Hendon Hooker, you know, I, I really had high hopes for him coming into this season or coming into this draft. Uh, it was unfortunate that he got hurt because I, I definitely thought he was going to be one of the better, uh, you know, one of the better quarterbacks coming out of this draft. I was looking forward to, you know, seeing him play in a, a in an explosive type offense. So it's it's actually kind of kind of upsetting, but I'm hoping he he gets to make that a uh, you know, he gets to make that impact, you know, coming off of a major, major surgery. Kind of crazy, kind of crazy. I wanted to see like him and Jalen Hyatt somehow end up on the same mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. That'd but, be yeah, fun. I, I was going to ask you, you, you already said it earlier. Like you said, Tillman was like the number one guy. Now I think obviously it's like the public or whatever you want to call it. Like everyone saw Jalen Hyatt just because of the Bama game and like, right can't imagine everyone watched every single Tennessee game all year or mm. broke down the film even close to the level you did. So what going through that really made you say that this guy is like either leaps and bounds better or he's the clear cut number one guy out of those two. Yeah. And, you know, I will, I will say to, you know, other draft analysts have come away with a different conclusion, right. That they have higher, higher, and that's, that's fine. You know, people, people see things differently, right. And every, that's kind of the beauty, the beauty and the complication of draft analysis is that everyone sees something different. You know, you say, watch the tape, but it's like, Hey, you know, everyone's interpretation is going to be different. It's just, yeah, you just got to roll with it. But I think um, for me personally, you know, I think Hyatt, the one thing that, you know, the speed is where you have to start. That's where you start and, and end with him is the speed. And I think, you know, he ran a 4-4 at the combine, but I think his 50-60 yard speed is even better than his 40-yard speed because once he has a runway, you know, that yeah. long strider athleticism, you know, he's not quite like Jamison Williams like we saw. Jamison Williams was different with that, man. I mean, he was just – he was at another level. But Jalen Hyatt, I mean, the way that he can accelerate on those runways and really take advantage and attack space and just, you know, if you give him a runway to work with, He's gone. It's as simple as that. And I think that was a big part of the Tennessee offense. You saw defenses respect that week in and week out. And that's something very unique that he provides that long strider dynamic ability. Um, but I think with Hyatt too, you know, for me, I, I grade when I grade wide receivers, it's kind of based off of a three level frame framework for me. You know, what can you do before the catch separating? What can you do at the catch point, making plays at the catch point, you know, contested catches, 50, 50 balls. And then what can you do after the catch creating, you know, with run after catch. 
And I I put Hyatt, Tillman, I put all my receivers through that framework. And for me personally, Tillman is a more complete receiver in that aspect. I think Hyatt, you know, the speed is really the defining aspect of his game. He's not very complete outside of that. I do think he's flashed the ability to, you know, chop his stems and decelerate quickly and use nuance as a route runner, but very, very largely uh, vertically oriented as a route runner Mm -hmm. right now. You know, you're looking at a guy who's running a ton of go routes, you know, some, you know, horizontal concepts to run after catch, but not a lot in between with Cedric Tillman, you know, you see more curls, more comebacks. Uh, more post routes, right? You know, there's more variety with him and he's shown that he can execute within that frame. So that's something that, you know, gives him the edge over me. And then, you know, just like Jalen Hyatt's a little bit leaner, lighter frame. Um, He does have good ball tracking ability in the deep third, but with Cedric Tillman, you see him work against contact. You see him work in contested situations. He's got that. So, you know, at the catch, before the catch, and then after the catch too, you know, I think Cedric Tillman is a little bit stronger, more physical, uh, and I think that factors in too. So I, I just look at Tillman as a more complete X receiver. I, I think Hyatt provides a very important element for your offense if you need it, which is speed, but also, you know, working that Tennessee offense and something that kind of impacted hookers projection too, is that uh, yeah. Tillman and Tillman and um, Hyatt, they operated out of stacked alignments a lot, right? So you've got one guy behind the other and that plays with the defense that plays with the defense's pacing, right? Spacing. And not only that, but it precluded Hyatt from facing a lot of true press coverage. So he got a lot of free releases in the NFL. You know, those guys are going to get in your grill and they're going to disrupt you. Right. And so you need to work through that. And I'm not so sure the Hyatt can out of the gate. So that's another thing for me that kind of dilutes his grade a little bit. I still think if you need a speed guy on day two, I'm all over that. Right. But I think for a more complete receiving threat, he's not quite there yet. I want to ask you because you do. I'm sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you're one of the only people I've seen that was kind of really, well, not one of the only people, but I've seen a couple of people be high on downs. Um, like, what do you, why do you have him, him rank so high in your uh, receiver ranking? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, he's a, he's an interesting one because I think, you know, there is going to be some conversation about his size and admittedly, you know, he's in the 170s range, kind of like Addison. So, it's a lighter frame. You know, that's that's something that if, if you're going to draft that, you're going to be willing to take that risk and you're going to have a good role for him. I do think he's going to be predominantly a slot guy, but I do think, you know, at North Carolina, especially in 2021, he showed that he can work in motion. You know, you can move him around a little bit, right? So he's got that versatility aspect. But um, with downs, and I'll run him through the three-level framework too, just for fun. Uh, but before the catch, I think, you know, him and, him and Flowers and Addison – they're all very dynamic athletes, but Downs to me has the highest level of spatial awareness and the ability to truly manipulate space and and displace defenders, you know, in real time with his athleticism. Zay Flowers can do it. You know, he can manipulate bind spots, but I think Downs is the most proficient right now when it comes to maximizing his athleticism and using it to separate, right? I think uh, he's just so good at pressing upfield into stems. You know, when you press upfield, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, go through it half, half speed, right? You want to make sure you really threaten vertically, you know, get defenders off their spot and then explode into space off that. He's very good at doing that. You know, he's very good at swiveling around and flipping his hips. He's super fluid, you know, explosive out of his breaks as you've seen. But, you know, I think he, he blends athleticism and nuance the best out of those right now. And then also, Zay Flowers, very good at tracking the ball, very good at contorting his body, right? And using body control to make really just gravity defying plays. 
But I do think Josh Downs is a little bit better at really catching and securing with his hands. You know, that's one thing that, you know, Flowers will get himself in the right spot, but sometimes he lets the ball get into his frame and that can be a source of drops sometimes. But I think Downs, you'll see him, you know, I remember there was a really amazing catch in 2021 where he got open on a, I want to say it was a, it was a deep out, I want to say. But um, it was to the end zone and he was streaking vertically, you know, and the ball was a little bit overthrown and he just laid out for it, diving catch and still got his hands under it. The focus, the hand cord, hand eye coordination, you know, for a receiver his size, it's really unreal. You know what he has. He's so good at converting in contested situations, you know, situations where he has to extend beyond his frame and make really tough adjustments. And that's one reason why I compliment Doug Baldwin personally, because I think. You know, he's got the route running nuance, the athleticism that Baldwin had out of the slot. But Baldwin was also unnaturally proficient at extending beyond his frame and converting as a catcher for his size. Right. So I think Downs brings those. You know, I think ultimately, if I had to boil it down into a small summary, right, I think Downs has the dynamic athleticism to separate and be a run after catch threat. But he's also very good at converting at the catch point for his size. So I think, you know, you're, you're getting a, a three level slot guy. You can move him in motion a little bit, but he can truly be a chain mover, a dynamic, deep threat. You know, I just think there's a lot of things that he can do right now for an NFL offense. Okay, okay. I, uh, I got to ask, I'm going to ask you something completely off topic of this. Yeah. When you're, when you're not doing this, and I, I might have asked you this before, what do you watch? Like, like do you enjoy other sports? Or is it all in, all or nothing? I have a follow-up to the soup, depending okay. on your answer. I'm a, I'll be honest, man. I'm not a huge football guy outside of this. Man, maybe that's because of my job now. Like, before it was my job, I'd watch it for fun. But now you watch tape and everything. It's just like, once you get done, you you want to do anything else, right? So I, you know, I'll, I'll watch March Madness a little bit, right? You know, I, I watch tennis. I play tennis in high school and a little bit of, of club in college. So I, I, I watch tennis sometimes, too. But no, man, I don't watch a ton of sports outside of this. I kind of just, uh, you know, you try to decompress and, and, and do other stuff. But, um, yeah, that's I guess that's, sometimes if something's on, like I used to be a, a big NASCAR guy, too. Like I had a few guys that I liked when I was growing yeah, up. So, Dave, you know, Dave's I'll, a big NASCAR guy. So I'll tune into that, too. But I'm not like I'm not head over heels for anything. You know, when it's not football, I just try to decompress a little bit. I was going to say it was like how wide you are into this and like how in-depth you do all of your analysis. Do you watch other sports like for ex- like example, March Madness, you're like, damn, that guy would be a sick tight end for the Jets. Like, I will, that I will guy, say, that's that a, would be the next Antonio Gates right there. Like, yeah. let's let's do it. No, I will say, um, you can take things from other sports and, and implement it into your analysis. Like, um, you know, my stuff as a tennis player, you know, like playing tennis myself. You know, one thing that we do every time a point starts when the server is tossing his, his the ball up is like a split step, right? Just a little, a little hop, just a really a little hop in place on your toes, just to get ready, just to get yourself moving, yeah. so that when the ball get, goes somewhere, you're quicker to react. And you know, that's kind of like you know, if you're a corner in press coverage against a wide receiver, you don't want to be flat footed, right? At the very start of the rep, make sure you stay square. But just a little hop step, get your feet moving, right? So that when the receiver does commit one way, you're not stuck in the mud. You are moving already, right? So, and then also, you know, as a tennis player, right? What do you swing the racket with? You think it's your arm? No, it's your hips, right? You know, it's the rotation and then keeping your wrist loose so that when you follow through that snap, you know, kind of carries to your racket, right? So it's kind of like a quarterback, right? You know, they don't throw with their arms. They throw with their hips. You want to get the full hip rotation, 
you know, you want to get that rotation, that torque, right? So that kind of plays into quarterback mechanics, right? Kind of helps you better understand that and, you know, how they can maximize that. So you can take little bits and pieces out this of This guy every can't sport. turn it off. He just can't. I mean, he's just <laughs> like, he's an automatic. I mean, anything. Dude, I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's just crazy. It's just, I mean, you see the connections in basketball too. Like a, a popular one is the crossover, you know, for, you know, just the mm-hmm. crossover dribble, something that receivers implement to beat coverage, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, I, I do try and take little bits and pieces, right? And, you know, it's just, you know, you see things and it's like, it's really crazy how they all translate. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's fun to pick up on it. All right. So this will be my final question, Ian. And we'll, we'll end it here on this since we've already now gone off topic. What are you currently watching TV show wise when you're not spending hours in the lab? That's a tough question, man. I need new TV shows. I don't, I, I, I like to stick to my comfort shows, man. I watch the office, you know, them just basic like that. You know, community community <laughs> I, is one that I really like. I got it. one for you. Yeah. I, you need to watch Ted Lasso like yesterday. Okay. All right. I've, I've heard it's, good things about it. Yeah. If you're having a bad day, just turn it on and like, no matter what he's talking about, his life lesson, you're just going to be like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, you're like immediately. It may not even be about what the problem you had that day, but you're like, yeah, like, uh, yeah. And you're just going to feel better <laughs> about yourself, no matter what it is. I love it. I got to get it on my list. But yeah, you know, right now, I just, you know, when I'm not working, just comfort shows like The Office. And I, I watched Breaking Bad a couple of times. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, You know, that's one that you kind of have to watch just because, you know, it's a good show. But um, yeah, just comfort shows like that you know i watch skits sometimes just like comedy stuff but i agree yeah, I, I really need to expand my palette that's for sure you know i just uh you know some document like science documentaries i'll watch that too but you know just a, a lot you know everybody out. after this go and just start everyone i want to start this everyone just start tweeting random shows at ian cummings like <laughs> not even about tweet them like parks and rec and like, like guys i'm working right now yeah like no just Come like on. don't even tweet out about like football just go like Actually say, like, hey, actually, that's the best thing. Do it as a two-parter. Ask Ian Cummings a question and give him a recommendation. There you go. That's a good little skit you could do. A little business model. I like model. it. I like yeah, it recommend yeah. him the worst 2B movies and worst 2B, like, TV shows. Why would you want. do that? That's just mean. <laughs> it's actually entertaining. It's, it's something, like, entertaining and watching something with such a low budget. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You can make fun of it. It's pretty easy. Like, you're just, like, the guy – all your buddies are watching like just laughing about how bad it was i agree with that i can see the appeal yeah i was just gonna say yellowstone like get into the yellowstone Uh, franchise i've heard of that i've heard that's a good one yeah it's impossible not to like it it's just cowboys shooting at each other and it's like this is awesome it's cowboy (laughs) mafia yeah (laughs) and then uh and then and then what will happen is you'll watch the two spinoffs and then at the end of it you're going to want to buy a cowboy hat you're gonna want to move, want to move to Montana. I mean, you might have the look to go be a cowboy right now. Just saying. I think so. I, like, I think you got the beard. Yeah, put a black cowboy hat on Ian Cummings, and I, I think we've got a we've got a guy that could be an extra on Yellowstone. I'm just saying, we're pitching. He could be this in the him. bunkhouse. He could be he in the bunkhouse. Easily, easily be in the bunkhouse. Just don't be in the train station, and you'll find. Right. Ah. I don't know what any of this means yet. I'll have to, That's, <laughs> just okay. take That's why you gotta watch it. That's yeah, right. There we go. All right. Well, Ian. Thank you, as always, for taking some time with us. We have a lot of fun. By the way, he will be back in a couple weeks for our mock draft special, where he is going to actually be the draft analyst for all the picks we make. And then we might have him on after the draft to do a recap with him as well, if he's got the time. 
because he's going to be in a five timers club. He's a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, we got to start. We got to start getting these jackets out, man. I, I, yeah, hey, we look, do. I'm working merch. on it, guys. I'm working on it. All right, Ian's up next. Bill we Bender's a, getting. We got it. such a long list. Man. Yeah, I didn't think we list. had this many people. <laughs> All right, I thanks Ian Cummins. I thanks to Bill Bender of Sporting News. For Peyton Drive, for Brandon Stevens, I'm Dave Sominal. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.